John 15. If you've got a Bible, you can open up to John 15. Otherwise, uh, you can just follow along in the screen behind me. Wow, what a passage of Scripture this is. John 15, 1 to 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Well, over the past several weeks, we have been exploring various I am statements of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Today we are considering Jesus' final I am statement as recorded in John's gospel. I am the vine. A beautiful picture of connection, dependence, and fruitfulness. An image that was culturally rich with meaning. Just as branches can only bear fruit if they abide in the vine, so the only way believers can glorify the Father through fruitful lives is by abiding in Jesus. 
Similar to John 10, where Jesus likens himself to a shepherd with his followers as the sheep, here he draws on the metaphor of a vine and a branch to describe his relationship with him or our relationship with him. And as we have previously discussed, oftentimes we see in the I am statements, Jesus demonstrating that he is the fulfillment of Israel. And this dynamic is particularly noteworthy in John 15, in verse 1, where Jesus says, I am the true vine. What did Jesus mean when he said, I am the true vine? Vine. Well, referring to the true vine was a way of contrasting himself with Israel. You see, there are several scriptural references uh, that liken Israel as the vine of God. However, most of those references are uh, discouraging and they're rebuking Israel for their disobedience and their defiance. Take, for example, Isaiah 5 7. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. In this sense, then, what the nation of Israel has failed to be, Jesus is. He perfects, completes. And when we consider all of these different I am statements that we've looked at over the past several weeks, the thing that strikes me is just how clear Jesus was about his identity. He was so sure of himself, not in an arrogant way, but in a very calm and considered way. His sense of identity, understanding who he was directly impacted what he said and did. And in today's passage, as in many other passages, we see Jesus making frequent references regarding his relationship with the Father. This too is a mark of self-understanding. So being clear on his identity and his relationship with the Father brought an enormous capacity for Jesus to be focused on his mission. And I'm sure the same can be true for us. The more clarity we have regarding who we are in Christ and understanding the centrality that this brings to our identity, the more fruitful our Christian walk will become. In this rich agricultural metaphor that Jesus offers, there are three distinct roles. The vine is Jesus, while the disciples are branches, and the Father, Jesus said, is the gardener who tends to the branches. There is only one vine and one gardener. However, there are two different types of branches, those that are dead, bearing no fruit, and those that are alive and are bearing fruit. Jesus explains that the dead branches are removed and that the fruitful branches are pruned in order to produce more fruit. 
And John 15, 1 to 17 is such a rich text. I feel as though there are several sermons that could be preached from it. And I can't cover it all in one message. It wouldn't do this passage justice. So the three aspects that I want to focus on this morning are connection, dependence, and fruitfulness. To remain in Jesus means to have union with him, a mutual, life-giving connection. As verse 4 highlights, remain in me as I also remain in you. The metaphor of a branch and a vine is such a powerful image. The branch derives its life source from the vine. It is only able to survive and thrive and produce fruit because of its connection to the vine. If there is no connection, there is no life and subsequently there is no fruit. To be connected as branches to the vine of Jesus means that his very life flows through us. It literally courses through our veins. And Christianity is not simply about believing the right things, although this is definitely important. And it's not only about living a Christ-like life, though this too is very important. There is also a spiritual dimension where we experience the very presence of Jesus through the power of his indwelling Holy Spirit. The Christian life, therefore, is built on the combination of belief, that's the doctrine that we come to understand, our behavior, the ethics that we take from Scripture, and experience, experiencing the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. A branch doesn't have to try to remain connected to the vine. It just is. Anyone here with young children who's maybe read the Lost Sheep series will know that this is perfectly illustrated in the Lost Sheep children's book, Basil the Branch, where Basil huffs and puffs in an attempt to push grapes out. And this simple illustration demonstrates in a humorous way the ludicrousness of such a notion. Restfulness, contentment, and a willingness to submit to the secateurs of the gardener are what produce fruit. It's not in the doing, but in the being that our best fruit is produced. The pruning process is never a comfortable one for the branch, but the outcome is more fruitfulness. A wonderful question to sit with is, Lord, where are those areas in my life that you want to do some pruning in? And one of the things that I've come to see is that I know for sure there are areas that the Lord wants to prune in my life and I'm being a bit disobedient. I'm being a bit rebellious. Do you ever feel that way? You know that there's something that the Lord is speaking to you about. Um, the question is, how, how willing are we to participate 
in that process of being made more Christ-like. He won't force it on us. But the more we release and submit ourselves to that process, the more Christ-like we become. We also read that it is clear that some branches are lifeless and not producing any fruit, and they get the cut altogether. Now, this raises a question, and it has raised a question for many believers, and that is, does this mean that a true believer can lose their salvation? Well, from a little bit of the reading that I've done, what I can come to understand is, firstly, it is unwise to build a theological doctrine based on a parable or an allegory. Jesus' main teaching here is about fruitfulness of believers. Secondly, such a conclusion stands in contrast to the words of Jesus in John 6.37 where we read, All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. And John 10.27 and 30, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now this is certainly one of those questions to struggle with as uh, Doug would lead us to consider in our Bible studies. And uh, for those who are a part of a growth group, I do encourage you to wrestle with this. But it would certainly seem to imply uh, that it's not referring to those who are true believers or followers of Jesus. In that instance, our salvation is secure. And you can be sure of that. Remaining or abiding also implies dependence. The connection we experience with Jesus is not reciprocal. The branch is dependent on the vine, but the vine is not dependent on the branch. The branch derives its life and power from the vine. Without the vine, the branch is useless, lifeless, and powerless. We are completely dependent on Jesus. And any fruitfulness that flows from our lives is a direct result of our connection to him. It is never a result of our own work or our own efforts. It's important to bear in mind that in this moment, in this context, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his imminent death and departure. And he is instructing them about their calling and mission as his disciples. And he emphasizes the non-negotiable reality of their absolute dependence on him. If they are to bear much fruit, showing themselves to be his disciples. Because apart from him, they can do nothing. Author Michael Wells writes, Just as a branch has no life within itself... Christians are not called to generate life, but to receive it. We are not called to imitate the life of Christ, but to participate in it. 
Our Christian faith is entirely wrapped up in our dependence upon Jesus for survival, growth, and fruitfulness. The first thing to say about fruitfulness is that the very function of the branches is to produce fruit. This is how it was designed. And as a result, a branch will feel most satisfied when it's doing what it was designed to do. And this is where verse 11 makes so much sense. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The branch will be most satisfied when it's functioning as it was designed to. Fruitfulness is a result of abiding. A branch can't produce fruit by itself. That would be impossible. It's only through the vine that the branch derives its life source and energy. The nature of fruit itself is multidimensional. A mature believer who is connected to, abiding in, and dependent on Christ will have a character and a nature that reflect the fruit of the Spirit as outlined in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And the authenticity of their faith will either directly or perhaps indirectly lead people to Christ. Oftentimes, when we think about what fruitfulness in a believer looks like, it's these two things that we tend to measure. The fruit of the Spirit in a person's life and how evident that is, or maybe the evangelistic efforts of a person, how, how many people they've led to Christ. And these tend to be the things that we think about when we consider what it means to be a fruitful Christian. And it certainly includes both of those things, but I was really interested to learn in my study this week that when the Old Testament uses the image of bearing fruit, fruit usually signifies covenant faithfulness, particularly a character that displays the beauty of God. So the focus here in the Old Testament particularly is on God's people as a whole and how the rest of the world perceives them. Not so much on individuals. You see, God called Israel to be a light to the nations. He called them to demonstrate what it was to live in covenant relationship with him, its requirements and its provisions for forgiveness and blessing. And in so doing, the people of Israel, in a way, advertised to the rest of the world what it means to follow the one true God, whom all people were created to know and love. With this understanding in mind, when Jesus tells his disciples to abide in him, he is telling them to be faithful members of a community that represent the coming king of whom they are a part of his kingdom. Therefore, our participation with the communion of saints, as it were, is another dimension of fruitfulness. 
And perhaps we might feel as though our individual lives are insignificant or not making any real difference for the kingdom of God. But Christian lives lived faithfully in community bear witness to the rest of the world about the reality of Christ and therefore will yield lasting results. I find this very encouraging, that participation in a Christian community that seeks to exemplify to the world around it that we serve the risen Lord Jesus and we follow the values of the kingdom is part of what it means to be a fruitful believer. What a wonderfully encouraging image of the body of Christ and how we work together to bear fruit for God's kingdom. It reinforces to me the need for one another, the need to be part of Christian community. Verses 7 to 8 would also indicate that answered prayer is another direct result of fruitfulness. We talked about this in John 14. God desires to answer our prayers. We need to ensure that our prayers are aligned with the values of his kingdom and seek to bring glory to the Father. And when we enter into that space with our prayer life, our prayers will become very fruitful as God's will is achieved. A question I've been asking myself this week is, where does my life evidence the reality of my connection to Jesus? It's a question I invite you to sit with as well. Where does my life evidence the connection I have to Jesus? Like if we really believe that he is the vine, that he is our very life source, that we only have life because of and through him, then it's a question worth asking. Where is the fruitfulness as a result of this connection of vine and branch? And what I've noticed in myself is where I feel there is little evidence, a compulsion arises to do more, to be more, to somehow participate in more ministry because that will draw me closer. And I think that without deep reflection, this is our compulsion, isn't it? If we feel as though we're not making much of a difference, if we feel as though we could be more fruitful, we want to do more. It's our human tendency. We want to be involved with more ministry because that will surely bring us closer to bearing more fruit. What can I do for the Lord? Other things can I do? I have to share with you that whenever I begin my sermon preparation, I always start with a simple prayer and I ask the Lord, Lord, what would you reveal uh, through me this week, through your word, to your people here at Erina in this time and in this context? Now, God's word is completely timeless and unchanging, but you know, what is it that he wants us, the people of Erina Community Baptist Church, to hear this week, given our particular setting and context and all those things? And this week I feel that that prayer was answered very clearly. 
in relation to fruitfulness. And here's what I got. Don't pursue ministry. Pursue Jesus. Don't pursue ministry. Pursue Jesus. Now, we could be a great church that has all kinds of different programs that caters for every single person of every different age group and every different particular spiritual inclination, and that would be great. We could add extra services. There are all kinds of things that I would love for us to do, as I'm sure many of you would love to do. But we can so easily get sidetracked focusing on ministry, on what we're trying to do for the Lord, that we actually lose sight of what it's all for and what it's all about. And we kind of get things around the wrong way. So what we need to do is take a step back. We need to focus on Jesus. We need to pursue an active, vibrant, dependent relationship with him of which fruit will then start to to grow and bear. And all of those things will come as a result of pursuing Jesus. Focus on Jesus and delving deeper into relationship with him. Fruitfulness will be the natural outcome of a close, abiding walk. I don't know about you, but there's actually a a sense of restfulness in that. Um, A sense of peace. Now, when we think about pursuing ministry, it's often, uh, it can be busy. It can be consuming. We end up comparing ourselves. Well, if this is how this church does it, surely we've got to kind of reach that standard if we're going to have anything reasonable to offer here. When it comes to pursuing Jesus, that's something that each of us can do. Something that each of us can do. It's a wonderful, wonderful message, and I thank the Lord for it. Be encouraged that you can become more fruitful. The passage does indicate that there are varying degrees of fruitfulness. The passage not only speaks of bearing fruit, but bearing more fruit. And much fruit in verse 2 and verse 8. This is so encouraging that where you are today in your walk with the Lord does not have to be the end point. That you can in fact grow. That there is more and more fruitfulness for your life as you learn to abide in Jesus and pursue Him and His values. You can learn to enjoy Jesus more. That's why Jesus says in verse 11 these things, I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus not only wants us to have joy, he wants our joy to be full. The Christian life is not meant to be a drag. It's meant to be a joyful experience as we learn to live and abide in relationship with Jesus. Another way of framing pursue Jesus is abide in Jesus. There's a rhythm and a pace to abiding that is so inviting, isn't there? There's a sense of learning to be in 
Christ, which the gospel writers and the epistle writers speak of so often. This is what they're talking about. To be in Christ is to abide in him. Now, Jesus tells us how we abide in him. In verse 7 and in verses 9 to 10, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. So there's, a, there's an aspect there of, of knowing Jesus' words and allowing them to dwell richly within our hearts. There's also a dimension there of prayer. So obviously God's word and prayer are so critical and crucial to abiding in Christ. And we also learn to abide in him by abiding in his love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I quote Michael Wells again. The how-to of abiding begins not with a work, but with an attitude to be maintained. We live in an attitude of abiding, deeply aware that he is our life. Abiding is not a feeling, but an awareness. One of the great mysteries of the Christian life is that we don't necessarily feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And therefore, we may not always feel like we are abiding. However, think about this. There are hundreds of organs in our body that we don't feel. We'd know about it if they weren't there. But the fact that they are there, uh, we just kind of carry on as per usual. We feel normal. And I think the same can be said for having Christ in our lives. We may not feel as though we have the Holy Spirit coursing through our veins, but we do. And not that I can speak from experience, but I imagine a branch feels nothing out of the ordinary when it receives sap from the vine. In this way, an abiding believer is aware of their position in Christ and understands that that is the normal way of being, rather than working hard at trying to feel as though God is within me, or I'm being a more godly person. There's a sense of contentment that comes from knowing our position in Christ. And ultimately, the, the mark of a believer is not how they feel, but the fruitfulness of their lives. If you believe in Jesus, you are in him, and you can become more like him. You can experience a connection to him in greater degrees as you grow in an ongoing daily dependence on him, resulting in greater fruitfulness that will make both his and your joy complete. Amen.